Philippians chapter 1, and uh, let's read verse 21. Philippians 1, chapter 1, verse 21. says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. God, that you're already here. You're already moving. And Lord, it's not just a song that we sing, but it's a truth that we stand on, that you are good. You are so good. And we thank you, God, for your goodness, that even in our darkest nights, even when the night is, is holding on, God, you're holding us even closer. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we've been in Philippians for the last couple weeks. Last week we took a Mother's Day uh, detour um, for good reasons. Amen. I hope you mothers had a, a good Sunday last week. And um, in my house, it's still Mother's Day. My wife is like, no, every day. Every single day. It should be. It should be. Amen. Um, so we've been in Philippians, and the book of Philippians is an awesome uh, book, a very encouraging book, because this is a book that Paul wrote while he was in jail. Paul was uh, ready to uh, be uh, persecuted to, to the point of death, and he was awaiting that moment uh, on house arrest for three years. So for three years, he was chained to prison guards. Three years. You know, last time I joked, you know, how many of us have ever worn an ankle bracelet before? We didn't want any hands on that, you know, because someone said, I still got mine on now, Pastor. But um, Paul had the OG ankle bracelet on. He was actually chained to the prison guards. And that was his sentence. But for three years, Paul was in there. They allowed him to continue to minister. If you read Acts chapter 28, that's where you see uh, this moment of time where Paul writes Philippians. And so I want to just kind of revisit some things, review some things. So let's go back to verse number one of chapter one. Philippians chapter one, verse one says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I shared with you guys that this is the same place where Paul and Silas were in prison in Acts chapter 16, where they were tied, uh, chained to the wall. They began to sing at midnight. And then the angels came, broke the chains off. We all know that story, right? This, this is the same area, the same time. I'm sorry, the same people. When Paul went to plant the church in Philippi, it was during that time of Acts chapter 16. Now he's writing them uh, years later. Verse number three says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, you have to understand that he's saying this while he's chained up, like understand the perspective that Paul has. He's saying, look, I'm in chains, you know, I'm in jail, I'm on house arrest right now, but, but even though this is all going to work out for the good, 
Like that perspective is the perspective we should all desire as believers, right? We should have faith in God. We should trust God enough to know that even in our darkest circumstance, God will turn it around and work it for the good. Amen. And he's telling them that they know he's in jail. They know he's chained up and he's still saying, hey, it's okay. This is going to work out for my good. And I know it's hard to understand when we're in the thick of it. You know, when you're going through stuff and you're just like, you know what? Why am I going through all this hell? Why are, why are all these trials and tribulations? Why is all this stuff happening? It's hard for you and hard for us in those moments to say, oh, but this is going to work out for my good. But this is where we need faith, right? We need hope. We need trust because God is faithful to work it out. Amen. Let's keep reading here. Verse seven says, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you, all with the affection of Jesus Christ. In this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Let's keep reading. Verse 10 says that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He never loses that heart of worship. He's like, to the glory of God. These chains are for the glory of God. And again, the world doesn't understand that, right? The world doesn't understand that when we're going through trial, how can we still praise and worship? But that's what shows the world who Jesus is. This is where Christ is glorified, when we can say, yeah, I'm going through hell, but God's faithful and he's kept me. Amen? Let's keep reading verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having be become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So the guards were proclaiming Jesus because they were witnessing Paul in chains, still confessing his faith. Amen. Uh, let's see here. Verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ, preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that, that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. So he invites us in. He invites uh, the church in Philippi. He invites us readers into this to understand that when we go through trials, that we should be praying for one another. Right. Paul saying, hey, I'm getting through this because you guys are praying for me. That's why when we have moments like we had this this morning, I'm not stopping any of that. Because it's in those moments that we as a body come together to minister to one another so that we can encourage each other in our trials. Amen. And of course, the supply of the spirit, communion with the Holy Spirit. Amen. It says the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and the hope that in, in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, always so now, always Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. 
whether I live or whether I die, Christ is going to be glorified. Amen. Verse 21 is where I want to uh, start today's message, uh, where I want to park for a little bit. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. This verse is such a foundational piece of scripture that all Christians should desire to embrace and build upon. Right. Because this verse not only gives us a physical encouragement that as we're alive here on this earth, we should be living for Jesus. But if we die, if the day comes for us to go home, we still gain because we go to be with the Lord. Right. How encouraging is that? The world sees death as it's over. It's done. We'll never see them again. You'll never be seen again. But in Christ, when we die, we don't. We continue to live, and we live in his presence forever. Amen? Paul knows that. He knows that he's about to die. He knows that he's facing death, but he's not moved by that because he knows it's a great testimony that he was able to hold his faith while he was on this earth, and that faith is going to be rewarded when he goes home to be with the Lord. Amen? This is so encouraging because we have family members that pass away, right? You know, we, we don't know what tomorrow holds. I'm hoping, I'm praying. I need to change the way I eat, but I'm hoping I'm here for a lot longer. That's the plan. You know, I'm like, God, I want to I be here for a long time. Like, long time, you know? Let me, I want, like. Let me be like 85, 92, 107, Lord. Let me just be here like a like a little Yoda. Let me have, let me just, just let me be here for a long time, Lord. The scripture is strong with this one. Yeah, I want to be here a long time, man. I want to be here a long time. But, but, and this is, this is the sad, and the, this is a truth that's hard for us to understand, is that tomorrow's not promised to any of us. And um, we don't know when our last day here on this earth is going to be. But Paul is telling us, and he's given us again, that foundation of faith that says, for me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He's saying, as long as I'm alive on this earth, I am going to live for Jesus. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to live according to his ways. I'm going to live according to his word as I live. For me to live is Christ. But if I die, I gain. I gain because now I get to go home and be with Jesus. And again, this is where we find comfort. This is how we comfort those that have lost loved ones. And this is where we find comfort so that when it's our time to go home, we know where we're going. Right? We have to make sure our faith is in Jesus, though. Amen? The, the Lord has given us a free gift of salvation. He sent his son to be a sacrifice for us, to die in our place, not just for us, but as us. So you, I, your friends, your family, they have to accept, receive that salvation by placing their faith in Jesus. But when they do, they've secured their eternal residence in heaven. Amen? What I like about this verse also is that not only does it give us this physical encouragement, but also in the things that we deal with, this is a good way to process the things that we go up against. And what I mean by that 
is that when we live by the ways of Jesus, right? When we live by the ways of Jesus, when our ways die, then we gain, okay? When, when temptation comes to you and you're, you're standing in front of this, this temptation where the enemy or your flesh is trying to get you in, to go in one direction, you have a choice. Am I going to give in to my flesh? Am I going to give in to this temptation? Or am I going to die to myself? Either I'm going to live according to Christ, right? If I live, I live for Christ. I'm going to live in his ways. I'm going to handle this temptation the way that God wants me to. And I'm going to die to myself. This is when you gain, right? When you treat your spouse the way that God wants you to, when you die to your ways and you treat your spouse the way God wants you to, your ways die, but his ways come alive. And then you now are living, right? Your marriage comes alive. At your relationships at work, your finances, how you battle and handle everything that you're going against. When you handle it as Christ would, as you handle it according to his word, as you handle it as the spirit leads you, you will find life. But if you allow yourself to live and your ways to live, then you're only going to find death. Amen. In your bulletin, I have four verses there that I want to tie into this Philippians 121. Your bulletin you guys have on the back side, you have four verses. If you don't have a bulletin, raise your hand and we'll get one to you. Anyone not have a bulletin? Praise God. Everyone's got a good job, greeters. Uh, Galatians 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. This is the approach. This is the posture. This is the place where all Christians live from. It is no longer I who live. That means that your old ways, your old habits, your old mindsets, the way that you used to do things, those things no longer live. Right? I have been crucified with Christ. My old ways died. The moment I received Jesus, those old things were nailed to the cross. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now, and I talked about this uh, when we, we, we actually started Philippians in Philippians chapter 2. And I was talking to you guys about how when we get saved, right, that we are in Christ. Christ is in us, right? God the Father, he sees us and he sees us as righteous. He sees us holy, not because of anything that we have done, but because of what Christ has done. The blood of Jesus covers us, and so we're justified. By his sacrifice. Amen. But just because God sees us as righteous, we know that there's things in our life that still need to be worked out. That's why sometimes you see people or even yourself. Let's don't even look at anybody else. Look at yourself. Right. Because, again, Philippians chapter two said, work out your own salvation. Not your husband's. <laughs> work your own salvation out, not mine. I'm staying over here just in case your chunkla comes up. <laughs> Worry about yourself. I'm venting now. Worry about no, just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maria brought reinforcements. <sighs> I get hit with the alien's chunkla and the Maria's chunkla. And then another one over here, then Aurelia. And next thing, James in the back. Everybody's just throwing chunklas at me. Yeah, yeah, all over. Everywhere I go, I'm in the grocery store. <laughs> 
Okay, thank you. Thank you. We work out our own salvation. And that means that God is doing a work in us. There's things in our life that he wants to work out. Again, you when you get saved, when you get place your faith in Jesus, you're covered by the blood of the lamb. And you are brought into this place of being in Christ and he in you. That means that when the father sees you, he sees you holy. He sees you righteous. And that's why God, he calls us the righteousness of God. Again, not because we did anything, because Christ did it all. But, but, and this is where a lot of Christians think, oh, it's all right, grace, I'm saved, you know, it's okay, God still loves me. And we think we can live however we want, and that's not the case. We need to allow God to work those things out in our life. Those things that are, aren't pleasing to him, those things that he doesn't want to be there anymore, those hindrances, we have to allow him to work those things out. And it's a process sometimes. You know, let me tell you, I've seen God do deliverance in a moment, right? I was one of those cases. I, I battled drug addiction for years, and, and I was a, a very, um, I partied hard, and I couldn't break it. I couldn't stop using, and I had this encounter with Jesus that completely set me free, and I've been sober ever since. But there are things that are in my life that have been a process, there are things that I have been working on. There are things that we are working on. There are some times that God allows us to go through this process where he needs to do a deep work to make sure those things that he rids us from never come back. And let's be honest, there's some things in us that we just don't want to let go of. Right? It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us or we don't love God. It's just that we still have a little bit of love for our sin and our flesh. We have to allow God to work those things out. And this is where you experience grace and mercy because you can come to God with the ugliest pieces of your life. You can come to God with the ugliest parts of your life. You could bring it to him and he never rejects you. See, religion will teach you this. And, and I was, unfortunately, I experienced this. Religion makes you feel dirty where you feel like you can't come to God. You can't go to church. You can't come to the altar. You can't pray. You can't worship because you, you're working on some stuff. That's religion, Okay. That, that's not the way that it's supposed to be. Christ died and so, that, so that you could enter into the throne room with boldness, confidence, and you could bring your junk, your sin, all of the ugliness of your life. You could bring it to him because he's not going to reject you. He's going to embrace you, and then he's going to begin to work those things out. So I always tell everyone, don't run from God. And don't stop coming to church. I don't care where you were last night. I don't care if you still got the club stamp on your hand. You know, I don't care. You know, I, I don't care because God wants to embrace you to help you with some things. But, but, but we have a part to play. Amen. Again, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So how do we deal with those things? It's not me anymore right? I don't want to be a liar anymore. I don't want to be prideful anymore. I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want, because that, that's not Christ. That's not Jesus. And if he's living in me, then I have to die to those things. Amen. Luke 9, look at Luke 9 in your, note, in your notes. Luke 9, 23 through 24 says, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him what? Deny himself and take up his cross. When? Daily. It's a daily dying. You are dying daily. As Christians, we die daily. When that person cuts you off on the road and you want to chase them down and karate chop them to the throat, 
Work those things out, Jesus. Work those things out. When those moments happen, you have to die, meaning you die to your flesh. You die to what you want, and you give in to what God wants. When you get in an argument with somebody, when you get in an argument with somebody and you want to let them know how you feel, when you want to tell them that you're right and they're wrong, when you want to get in their face and, and hold your own, you have to die in that moment. You have to die in that moment and in humility, apologize, ask for forgiveness, say, you know what, that's, that's not who I am anymore. Forgive me for acting this way. I had to do it this morning. Whole worship team is looking back at me like, Pastor, you better repent before you start playing them drums. All right, that's I'm sorry, guys. But we die in those moments, right? And it's it's not just, you know, every month or whenever we come to church, we die daily. You have to wake up in the morning wanting to live for Christ and dying to yourself. And when you do that, you can go to work and things can come against you. You can have things going on in your home and you're confident that, you know what? It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives. So I'm not going to give in to this temptation. I want to. My flesh wants to. But you know what? It's not about me anymore. I live for Christ. So if I could die in this moment, then I'm going to gain. I'm going to gain freedom from this temptation. Amen. Again, Luke 9 says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever, oh, this is so good. <laughs> Wrap your, your mind and your heart around this, this verse, uh, verse 24 in Luke 9. It says, For whoever desires to save his life will what? Lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Save it. The longer you try to hold on to your flesh and the things that you want, the longer you hold on to that, the quicker you will find death. Maybe not physical death, but maybe you'll find death in your relationships, death in your marriage, death in your finances, because you want to hold on to these things. But the, the sooner you let go of those things, the sooner you take hold of life in Christ. Amen. Galatians 5.24 says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15.31 says, I affirm by boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. Those four verses really help us to see Philippians 1.21. For to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Amen? What are, the, what are some of the things that you have to die to? What are some of the things that you're still trying to hold on to? You know, and again, don't be condemned. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, but bring your junk to the Lord. Bring all that stuff that you're wrestling with, bring it before God. Let me tell you guys, man, there's nothing more beautiful than sitting at the feet of Jesus and saying, you know what, Lord, I'm struggling. There's nothing more beautiful for him to say, I know that's why I died. And then for him to say now, let it go so that I could remove it. There's nothing more beautiful than sitting at the feet of Jesus and allowing him to take this junk out of your life. There's nothing more beautiful than that, than, than coming up to the, an, an altar at a service and just saying, God, here I am. Right? There's nothing more beautiful than getting in your prayer closet and just saying, God, take this from me. Nothing more beautiful than driving in your car on your way to work saying, God, help me in this area. I don't want to do this anymore. Because you experience grace and mercy 
you experience the love of a father who wants to set you free. Amen. But again, you have to make that choice. Right. You have to make the choice to die. You have to make that choice to give up those things, because majority of the time, like I'm not a big the devil, the devil guy. I'm not I'm not big on that. Well, the devil did it. We know that. But we helped him. Right. Everybody blames the devil for everything. He already lost. Right. He already lost the principalities, the powers. They have no authority unless we give it to them. So I'm not a big like, oh, the devil's after us. No, the devil ain't after us. We just don't want to die. We want to hold on to the things we want to hold on to. We want to live and fulfill the desires of our flesh. We want to continue to sin. We want to continue to do those things. It's on us. And the, and the reason why I don't like to talk about the devil and that, because when people do that, they're just running from accountability. When you blame the devil, you don't recognize that it's you. Therefore, it's all oh, the devil. He's attacking me. He's doing this. No, 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 no. <laughs> you don't want to die. You want to hold on to all that junk. The devil's over there minding his business, and he's like, that was good, but that wasn't me, right? <laughs> you know? We give him a lot of credit we, for stuff we do, and that's where we have to make a decision. Are, are we going to take accountability for our own choices in life? Are we going to take accountability for what's happening around us? And let me tell you, I'm not saying that it's, it's always us. Yeah, there is an opposition. The, the devil is our adversary, right? He is wanting to come, steal, kill, and destroy. But that's where you have to know that dying to yourself and standing on God's word positions you and postures you in a place of victory. Okay? And let me show you. Let's, let's keep reading here. Verse 22. Let's read 21 again. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh... This will, uh, this will mean fruit from my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, confident of this I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Verse 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to see you or I'm, I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs. Now, I want to point out the English translation of a lot of scripture um, is really it, it, not correct at times. OK, the way we translate into the English language, the English language is very complicated. And sometimes we take some of these words and, and we don't translate them correctly. So that's why I always encourage you guys do a deep study and make sure you're reading in context. Because if you read that verse, you think it says only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. You could really take the legalistic approach to that and think that you have to do something to make yourself worthy enough for the gospel. OK, but that's not what this says when you know the context of, of the finished work of Christ. When you know the context of the new covenant, that that's not what it's saying. The real translation uh, says, and let me read it the right way here. It says, just the, and I found this version. It's cool. It's called the easy read version. I said, Lord, that's for me. <laughs> the Bible for dummies, that's for me. The easy to read version says, just be sure to live as God's people in a way that honors the good news of Christ. So it's not about living to make yourself worthy. It's living in a way that reflects 
how good the gospel is. Amen. So don't read that and think, oh, you have to earn, you have to become worthy. No, let your life reflect that the gospel is good. Amen. Let's keep reading. Let's read that verse again, verse 27. And again, I want you guys to go, if you, if you don't believe me, go do a study. Because that word conduct in, in the Greek means citizenship, to behave as a citizen. And the word worthy means suitable and appropriate. Okay? So again, it, our English language kind of makes it difficult. Uh, but let's read it one more time. 27 says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit and one mind. Somebody say unity. Come on. He's talking to the church. Stay together. Work together. Strive together. Amen? He says, In one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Verse 28 says, And not in any way terrified by your adversaries. He said, look, let's read this again, right? He's saying, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Again, we go through things most of the time because we don't want to die to ourselves. A lot of our struggles are because of choices that we have made and choices we continue to make. But thank God for his grace and his mercy that if we repent, right, if we bring those things before him, he's faithful to change situations for us. Now, there are times where the enemy is attacking us. The principalities and powers are coming against us. But when they do, you don't need to be terrified. You don't need to be afraid and you don't need to worry. Let's read this again. And not in any way. And not in any way terrified of your adversaries. Don't be afraid of the devil. Don't be afraid of the devil. Amen. First Peter 5, 8. Peter calls the devil our adversary. Right. In Ephesians 6, verse 12 says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? So the devil's real. He's out to steal, kill and destroy. The principalities are real. They're the ones that we wrestle with. If you die to yourself, if you die to, your, to yourself and the things that you want and the things that your flesh want, and you live for Christ and you live in his ways and as his word instructs, when you do that, you don't have to be terrified at what's coming against you because you know that what you're going through is for your deliverance. It is for the testimony of Jesus that even in your chains, you have victory and God is faithful to work everything out. So whether I come to see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them proof of perdition. He's Paul is saying that when you're not afraid of what you're going through, when you're not afraid of what the what the enemy's trying to do, when you stood fast and you died to yourself and you're not afraid of this opposition, all that you're doing is reminding the enemy that he lost. The word perdition means utter destruction. He's saying you are reminding the devil that he lost every time you let him know what you're doing does not affect me. 
Whenever the enemy comes against you, whenever temptation comes against you and you say, you know what, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I'll resist the devil and he will flee. So I'm not afraid of what you're trying to do. And as I'm doing that, you're reminded, Satan, you're reminded, principality and power, that there is an utter destruction that awaits you. Yesterday we had a meeting, and I, I was telling you guys that I'm not very sympathetic. If you're a pastor, you should be. It's, it's not that I don't have any sympathy at times. I'm just so confident in what Jesus has done that sometimes I just want to say, hey, don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't believe what he's telling you. Don't stay stuck. Make some changes. Do what you got to do because Christ has already given you the victory. Don't be afraid and don't give in to your flesh because the moment that you die and he comes alive, you remind the enemy of his destruction and he will flee. But again, we have to make that choice. We have to take that first step. Are we going to die? Are we going to die to our desires, die to our flesh? Are we going to live for Christ? Are we going to live as his word instructs us? Are we going to live as his spirit leads us? Because if you do, you will find life and you will find it abundantly. Even in chains, you will find an abundance of joy in Christ Jesus. But we have to make that choice. Amen.